In today's episode, I talk to the remarkable Daryl Hembra. Daryl shares his earliest memories of living with a rare genetic condition, Pfeiffer syndrome, and how by the age of six he had undergone an estimated 250 surgeries. We talk about exclusion, institutions and what the future holds, and we discuss the importance of art and comedy. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Okay, and welcome, Daryl. Thank you for being here. It's really great to have you. Hello. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's so great to have you on the um, on the on the show. So now, um, why I wanted to, why I invited you on uh, to have a conversation was really because uh, I've. I know you really through London drawing. So coming in as somebody who is, you know, me coming in as somebody who's an artist and drawing you as a life model. And through, I think, the last course, which was an oil painting course. Portrait. Um, portrait, yeah. yeah. Oil portrait painting course was to, to, you know, I heard a little bit you know, throughout the sort of like the three days of banter, you did share information about you that I thought I'd really like to hear more about you and your story and who you are. And and what I'd like to do is to, through that, is to help people maybe shift their perceptions about placing limitations on people. Because I know we've spoken briefly about this idea that people don't really see people, <laughs> you know, they see the condition that somebody has and then they label that person. And I really, through these conversations that I'm having with my amazing guests, um, is I, I would really like to sort of interrogate and explore what life is for you your perception of life other people's perception of you what that journey has been and then hopefully as i say we can you know maybe give people who are listening a slightly different perception um and also and also i suppose people who are listening who may be uh in a similar situation how they can maybe broaden the perspective on their own lives so um yeah, there you go. <laughs> not much yeah. then. Yeah, no, not no. yeah, yeah, not much then. But so, so Daryl, first of all, if you could just like you know start at the beginning, and um, like I was saying, you know, I it, it's so strange. You know, I've seen you. I've sort of drawn you lots over the last probably two years, but we've never really sort of had the conversation about. And you're a and you are a fantastic, fantastic life model and portrait model. I have to say, um, uh, yeah, take that one. Yeah, um, oh, well, well, well. I'll take it. <laughs> um, Great comment. You really are, and and but but the conversation around, you know you have a condition, what that condition is, you know, I, I, I it, it, it's kind of, it doesn't really matter when we're drawing you, but it's, but it's, but in terms of perception and in terms of, and in terms of, uh, 
I suppose, this conversation, it would be really great for people who are listening. If you can just place, if you could just, if we could just sort of describe or talk about you and your experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I was born with a condition called Pfeiffer syndrome. Uh, it's the, spelled the same way as the surname of Michel Pfeiffer. Okay. Um, just in case anyone wants to spell it. Um, basically, the bones in the head were fused together, so I didn't have any soft spots. So as my body grew, my my organs grew, my skull didn't. Mm. So they had to do it all for me. Hence the scars I've got. Basically, I like to, a metaphor for it is, imagine a globe jigsaw, mm. which every time you put together, there's more pieces. So it gets bigger each time. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my skull basically over eighteen years or so. Mm. Well, it stopped when I stopped growing basically. Um, it also affects other bones in the body. So my thumbs are not bendy. Uh, my toes a bit. Uh, my arms don't, and my legs don't straighten out as much as they should. But it's for me, it's normal. It's, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is. It's your body, so yeah, yeah. like it's it's normal. Um, other than that condition, I've had and have got underlying lots of other conditions, um, which. Aren't and weren't necessarily connected to the Pfeiffer syndrome, mm. but some had to be sorted before other big surgery, and so they weren't necessarily connected, but they are kind of connected. Mm. And then some things just aren't connected at all. So, yeah, yeah. So there's so there may be underlying conditions that yeah, were yeah. that were um discovered, I suppose, with with the treatment of the FIFA syndrome, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and just generally without the treatment, just me being just me existing. Mm. Um I've got neuro problems, uh, like too much pressure on the brain and mm-hmm. As what I've got, I've got, uh, I've got shunts to pump that out. Um, I've got really narrow ventricles in the brain, so yeah, too much pressure. Uh, I've had and I've got liver problems. I say liver problems. It involves the liver, but it was uh, I didn't have the right. I, I didn't have the the blood flow from the liver to the spleen. Mm. So they had to go in and put a, make that flow, so put a vein in, which I didn't have, which that was like, I was about mid to late teens when they did that. Bloody hell. But 
that was a, that ended up being uh, a rare procedure they did. Mm. They used they were going to use a foreign body thing. Uh, so uh, sorry, uh, a foreign uh, body. Okay, yeah. Or so foreign say something which they'd have to go in and change every so often. Oh my but, god! But when they went in, they found uh, an unused, an umbilical vein of mine. So they used that. Whoa! Apparently, it was like one of the first times they'd done it. Um, oh my god! So you had sort of like you know uh... that, that 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 was that was one of the things that they needed to sort before they could do my Pfeiffer syndrome. Some of my Pfeiffer syndrome stuff later because mm. of the blood flow and all this. Um, mm. It's it's quite miraculous because when you're talking here, I'm like, oh my god! You must have had so many surgeries. When I was 11, I think, Mm -hmm. we estimated Mm -hmm. that I had around about 250. 250 surgeries by the time you were 11? Around about, yeah. So obviously, well, now I'm 36, a lot more than that. my God! Uh, yeah, like the with the fibre syndrome, with the mm-hmm. odd bone structure and things like that. My, um, I had a tracheostomy. Mm-hmm. If people don't know what that is, it's a tube in the neck to help mm-hmm. me breathe. Um, I think my airway was again narrow, small. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I had the trachea. But when I had the tracky, uh, I had it for about a year and a half. Mm. Um, my airway collapsed. Oh my god! So I don't remember it, but so you just been, passed out. Um, that must have been fun. Um, so yeah, I, I had a, the, the tracky I had was small anyway, mm. and if. So they, they 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 couldn't go any smaller, I don't think. Um, so that so that happened, and they contacted specialists around the country mm. Mm. or world, even maybe, mm. and nobody would want to do anything with me to help me. Um, then Great Ormond Street said they'd give it a go. Oh my God, Great Ormond Street are in, uh, incredible. Yeah, I don't recall who or what at the hospital, but I just know the hospital did it. Um, and they used my ribs or ribs, rib cartilage, whatever, mm, mm. to rebuild my airway. Um, and what age was this? Well, I'm 36 now. Yeah. And this was about 95, 96, I think. Okay. So a long time ago. I'm no good at maths. Well, I'm ahead. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, what year were you born? 87. So. Okay, so you're 18 ish. No, no, 21. No. If I was born in 87, I'd have been about. Oh, sorry. Yes, 87, eight, not eight, 87. Eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, nine. 
Yeah, eight or nine, yeah. Sorry, I, I was thinking time, 77, I, yeah. Yeah, I ran about that time. Oh, uh, my God. You're making me older than I am. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying I to drag you, years, drag so. you into my age group. No, um, um, okay, so, so. Yeah, that was, I mean, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. So you've had quite, I mean, it's like by the age of, so you said 11, you'd had 250 surgeries. Around about, yeah. It, you know, around about that you'd sort of like calculated and some really pioneering surgeries with, with regards to, you know, the tracheotomy and and the work on your liver. Um it's just how did did you spend a lot of time in hospital? Was it was it? I mean, I, I know that sounds like an obvious question, but over those over, eleven years, were you over, were you? Yeah, over over about eighteen years from birth, about ninety nine percent of that, maybe ninety nine percent of your time was spent in Around, hospital. Uh, yeah, give or take, was hospital either inpatient. Outpatient, mm. whatever. Mm. Just mm. Mm. so it's just it. So so as a child, did, so in terms of school, did you what what happened there? Were you did you get to go to school? Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did school. Um, all different forms of school uh, that I can think of. I did it. Um, the only. The only learning difficulties I had, yeah, were the fact that I missed a load of schooling. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, how would you? Other than, but even though I missed a load of schooling, I did a load of schooling. Mm, mm. We were, I think, when they say I live missed a load of schooling, this is the fact I missed a load of mainstream school, mm. like going mm. to school. I did hospital school, uh, did a school at the bedside, I did mainstream school, I did homeschooling, I did, there's the place that you go when you're like naughty or whatever. And Detention. Like that, <laughs> like, like schooling, but yeah, like. But oh, for, like, for excluded, ex- excluded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That well, they, I mean, but that's they, insane. But, but You're already put, excluded. They, they they put me in with they put the medical ones in with the naughty ones. Which to be fair was fucking great. <laughs> it was <laughs> because I think a lot of the time they the naughty kids are there for nothing. Well. A- a lot of the time, a, there's an underlying problem. Yeah, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, naughty kids get shunted into being naughty in inverted commas because they're bored. Yeah, they're bored, and the way that they're or they may be, as you say, have an underlying issue that rather than you know schools which are under a lot of pressure or teachers, I should say, that are under a lot of pressure with massive amounts of kids in the classroom. It's easier for them to go right, you know. Yeah, we we're going to have to exclude you because of your behaviour, rather than really, I think. And forgive me, people out there who are educators who who don't are in schools that don't do this, 
but it yeah. has historically been the way that a lot of uh, children have been excluded because the the underlying issue hasn't really been addressed. You know, there's all these people who have ADHD. Uh, yeah. who are later diagnosed in later life with ADHD, yeah. also dyslexia, you know, and this is the thing of with this labelling of people and once you're labelled, oh, they're the naughty one, you yeah. know, if that's, yeah. or they're the one that doesn't pay attention or they're the one that's a bit, you know, this or they're the one that's a bit that. All of this labelling is so detrimental because, as I was saying, you know, my other episodes that we do, how we view ourselves a lot of the time, especially as children, is through the gaze of other people, how other people see us. Oh, well, that, you know, everybody tells me I'm I'm bad, so I'm bad, you know. Yeah. And it's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I there, there was a time at primary school, basically, basically I never did year six. Hmm. I was held back a year, so I did year five twice. Mm. But then when it came to me going to year six, I jumped straight to year seven, which made the being hold ba held back a year pointless. So so what was the it was it because you'd missed a lot of school that they decided to hold you back a year? Yeah, I think so. And again, but then, I, but then I ended up basically doing the same amount of years that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't make any difference. Because yeah. I went from five to seven. To seven, yeah. It didn't make any difference. Yeah. And how did you find school? How did you? Because I mean, obviously, if you're, look, look you know, Daryl, I can't imagine, there's no way that I can imagine that any being having experienced that amount of surgery, Jesus, and being in hospital like or in a hospital setting for 99% of the time, you know, what was at, from, from, from what, a baby until 18? From, from, from birth. From birth until 18. What was your, you know, it's, uh, this is, <laughs> you know, my perception is just like, I can't, I can't even begin to uh, imagine that, you know, begin to imagine because because it's like, were you with lots of other kids at any point in your schooling? I know you said, you know, with the yeah, excluded kids. Yeah, I was, I was. Um, when, it came, when it came to secondary school, I, they did like um, excluded classes for maths and English. Yeah. Literacy and yeah. all that, which I did, which it may as well have been a normal class because there were enough kids in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just stuff I needed help with and things like that. Um, yeah, I was always around. I always went to a mainstream school. Yeah. I never went to a special school. Yeah. Admittedly, the, the secondary school I went to had a, uh, a, a special needs unit. Yeah. Which you, which was like a little base for us to just go and chill. And mm. there was someone who wasn't the head of the school, like in charge of us, mm. but they were head of that unit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was, 
Yeah, but other than that, it was mainstream. And I, I still got friends now from, from that time. And do you, and what, and, and when did you, when were you aware? Because it's interesting as uh, when I talked to uh, another one of my guests about when were you, when were you aware that, I mean, obviously being in hospital a lot, but that it's like when we're kids, when we're growing up, we don't see ourselves as, we don't really see ourselves as different from anybody because we're, we're not really different. But how did that impact you? How was that? What was your perception of what was going on from a, from a young age, if you can, you know, if you can remember not, that, yeah, an right. early age? I'm not sure I ever felt myself different to others, but I was always cared for. I was always, I was happy. I was a happy kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know any better. I didn't. But that's fantastic. That's, that's. A fantastic experience. I, you know, it's still it's still great that you can say, "Well, I was happy, even though you went through so I, much." I say now that, as someone who is less of a patient, yeah, than I was, being the caring side of it, mm-hmm. like my parents were. The doctors and nurses were is a hell of a lot harder than mm. being the patient. Wow. Um so I got I got friends in the USA at the moment who have a child called Ace mm-hmm. with Fiber syndrome. Yeah. He's four. Mm. And I'm I'm I keep saying to them, I think, don't worry about him, he'll be fine. Everyone around him, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. It's because it'll just it'll just let doctors, nurses, everyone just do what they got to do and sleep probably. Yeah, and there's a resilience. Obviously, kids are really resilient. Yeah, but, but what you just said there was really fascinating because of that. It's he'll be fine, but it's the people around him. And how we and how did and how do you think your condition impacted your parents? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too or, sure. Or impacted the doctors and nurses because you know you you yeah. Oh, they love me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I used to get doctors coming around to do ward rounds and. They wouldn't have to come and see me, but they'd come and see me just for a mm. chat mm. And, and a few jokes. I was mm. always joking. Mm. They were always trying to think up jokes to tell me and things like that. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I can try and find out. Yeah, but no. Well, you don't need to find out. But it's just. It's It'd just be interesting, though. It'd be interesting. Yeah. To get a description. Of how, or a perspective from the, the parent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, I think, because what you've said again, really, with with um, a conversation I had with uh, Alison Thomas when she talked about having a, a 
before she was uh, so basically she was uh um, told that the child that she was carrying would be down syndrome yeah. and before anything she was kind of taught that the doctors were planning the worst case scenario and talking about you know termination and she said oh. once uh exactly and once she, and once he was born she was she said which i really loved she said what was all the fuss about once he was it was just like what was all the fuss about and not to be rude to like people that don't have conditions medical conditions but the chances are they'll be better than people without medical conditions because there's more to yeah there's there, i've been there's more focus on trying to achieve yeah yeah when you say be better what do you mean do you, do you mean happier or do you mean do you mean yeah do you i mean... think so yeah like yeah. they they the chances are, like me, you're you're worried less about what people think of you. Yeah. Earlier. Yeah. 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 The weight of other people's opinion yeah. is you've already dealt with that. Yeah. <laughs> you've already dealt with that shit. Like the amount of, the amount of kids or adults with Down syndrome, for example, mm. who have who I've read about and known the amount of them that have put two fingers up to the rest of the people. Yeah. And just gone on doing it. Yeah. Yeah. But like we were just talking about the um the motivational speaker, you know, you said um his name, what's his name? Uh something like uh, Nick Vujic or yeah. yeah. Who has no limbs and he and he goes into schools and he talks. He does talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In schools and prisons and things like that. Yeah. And and the I've seen videos where the kids are in tears. Yeah. And he yeah. does a thing. He does a thing at the end where he stands on a table. Yeah. Sorry, he he is on a table. I don't yeah. know where he's standing because he has no limbs. But um, and they all queue up and give him a hug and yeah, or a high five or something. And they're still. Yeah. They're still bawling their eyes out. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think. I think the moving thing, isn't it? With that, is that people are really moved by somebody's spirit and by the fact that they're not allowing any obstacle to stop them achieving what they want to achieve. And um, there was a similar young man I saw. Uh, uh, I think it was an Instagram post of a, uh, a similar young man who has no legs and one arm with one finger, and uh, the other arm is kind of um, uh, am- has been amputated just below the shoulder. And he's a wrestler, and he <laughs> does yeah, and he's a wrestler, and it's because he decided when he was a when he was a kid. He was inspired by seeing wrestling and he decided that he was going to be a wrestler. And and it just makes me really so, my heart so full of admiration because people who are stepping forward and stepping up and saying, well, actually, I'm not defined by the condition that I have. Yeah. I am who I am. I'm not going to let anything stop me because, you know, conversely, when we have people who say, oh, well, I've got a bad back. I can't do this. 
or I've done, you know, that so you do have a group of, of people who will say, well, I have this. They'll use whatever it is as, I, as something yeah. to stop them doing something. And yeah. then another group who will use whatever it is to, to propel themselves forward. Sorry to interrupt you, but to propel yeah. themselves forward um, to be able to experience life as fully as they possibly can. And, you know, with, with, I know we talked lots about your condition, you know, but it's, but, it, but in terms of who you are, it's like, when did you decide, when was it that you decided that you wanted to go down the track of, you know, life modeling? Because I tell you not a lot, that's not going to appeal to a lot of people. Um, not, not that long ago. Yeah. To be honest, probably about my mind really not, I mean, to look for life modeling as an example, um, about 2000. 16, 17, 18, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, had stuff happen in life and that kind of came around the same time as I had CBT uh, therapy, which was shit. Um, yeah. But it kind of made me realise. And one day I just, before I did life modelling, mm. I did stand-up comedy. Wow, I never knew that. Fantastic. Um, and then during the stand-up comedy, I got spotted by a photographer. Mm. They were doing an exhibition local, and it was about the area that they were doing the exhibition. Uh, so street street photography and they wanted people from the area to perform yeah i was gonna do that ended up not doing it for i think mental health reasons mm. went along and met them anyway just because what made me want to do comedy was the change of perception mm -hmm. and I just wanted to try new things. So, and I went to meet them just because it was a uh, meeting people's good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And they said they would do some headshots of me. Yeah. Free of charge as a comedian. Um, so we did that. And then after a while, like a three or four photography sessions, uh the 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 theme of one of the shoots was nude with with somebody else and after that i said to myself i wonder if i could do life modeling yeah this was around about 2018 early 19 and as you know mm. i still do it yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. still in the mindset of, I want to try this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so what was the thing then that made you, because when you just said that, that was a bit of a shocker. When you said stand-up comedy, I was like, whoa, okay. I mean, I've done a bit of stand-up comedy amongst uh, a million other things. 
And uh, it it is, you know, something that you you got to have kahanis to be able I, to, yeah, yeah. you know. When did you when did you sort of like decide that you wanted to do that, and and what and why? What, what was the clincher? Yeah, I, what was the catalyst? Yeah, I went and saw somebody called you might know them, Tom Green. Yeah, at the Bristol Colson Hall, as was. Is now the beacon. Um, and his support was, don't get me wrong, I like Tom Green. His support was better. Mm. And their name is Chris Betts. Still, still in the comedy circuit, as far as I know. Um, an author from Canada. Um, and we were just like, wow, just. Oh my god, just amazing. And I got talking to him online and it came across it came over in conversation that they're they had a favorite uh whiskey. Mm. And he was performing at a place called the Lazy Dog in Bristol. Yeah, yeah. That do a do a Pro slash comment, uh, pro slash open mic night once a week, uh, called How Lazy Is He? No idea why. Um, well, the lazy dog, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think that was the name of it anyway. Um, yeah. and I went and saw him at that show after our conversation, mm. and I bought a bottle of that whiskey. Mm. I bought myself one and Good. I bought another one for I was like, oh, so I'll give it to him. Yeah. So I turned up with this Sainsbury's shopping bag with it in. Oh, there mm. you go. And I think he was obviously happy. Um, yeah, yeah. End, bottle of whiskey, yeah. Up, he ended up opening the set of his show with a bottle of whiskey in one hand and a wad of cash in the other. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what he gets out of doing stand-up. Mm. And first time it had happened to him, apparently. Mm. Hopefully not the last time. Um, and I I was sat right to the side of the, I say stage. Mm. It's a little area. Yeah, yeah. The audience, I was cram- I was crammed side the of the middle. audience, yeah. I was crammed in the side, tiny venue. Um, and everyone knew that it was me that got it in all this. And I kept going back. Mm. And networking. Yeah. Never planned on getting up there. Yeah. And one <laughs> night I went, ah, fuck it. <laughs> And I did. Because people, people, I wouldn't, I don't want to say pressured me, mm. but they told me I should. Mm. Mm. And I just got up there and I did three, four minutes of stuff that, the stuff that I say off stage. Mm. All, all of it was self deprecating. Mm. And I enjoyed it. Mm. Mm. And I, I kept doing it. I supported Chris Betts once or twice. 
Wow, amazing. I say supported. I was like the person that fills in a gap. But yeah, but you know, in a form still there. Nice. I did a, there's a, another show in Bristol. Um, there's another story there, actually. <laughs> run by a guy that does lots of warm-up for TV. So mm. when mm. you say eight out of ten cats and all that, and he does it every January, I think, mm. all over the place. Now he does it in, like, Bristol, Cardiff, Bath, I think. And it's all for charity, local to that area. Mm. And he, he, he doesn't announce who's performing. And obviously he knows people, names, mm. big names. And I think maybe the second year he asked me to do one near to me. Mm. And the, the people on that show was just, I'm, I'm there just like, why am I on it? Because they're all big names. And then there's me. This just yeah. <laughs> did that? Did that strike the fear of God into you? Did that? Did that? A little bit. Did a little that, bit. Yeah. A little bit, well, but so, I also loved it. Well, there, there you go. That's the thing. Hundred and twenty people or so. Yeah, that is the thing, though, isn't it? You do it for the love. And I could walk there from my house, so that's great. Yeah. How did it go down? Yeah, it was all right. It was. It wasn't like the best performance I did I know I got at least one fan out of it because mm. I'm still in touch with them now um, mm. yeah but just I look back at the poster and I'm just like why what what <laughs> that, because you're funny like, it's like <laughs> because you're people, good these people have like supported Ricky Gervais and things like that and I'm on what it's like, but that's it because you're good you know, and somebody believes in you, and well, that's. I I realised that over time that for me, I like comedy, mm. but stand up is too narrow, too narrow an outlet. Mm. I need, I need to give the audience a bit of a roller coaster. Okay, so reaction. Yeah. So what do you think is next then? Do you think, would you, would you go into more into comedy acting? Would you, is that something that you're looking at? Is that? Never, never say never. I mean, acting's. Or writing. I struggle with that. I struggle with writing. It's in my head. But I got a few friends at the moment who write Mm. and I'm getting a bit of, inspiration from them Mm. so that's helpful but like when I did comedy it's all from my head yeah I think I maybe wrote it down once or twice yeah and then misplaced it but it's all in my head it's all self-deprecating and in my head it's but I'm I've reconnected with someone that I didn't even know I knew Mm -hmm. and from hospital, from Bristol Children's Hospital, and 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 had you forgotten that you'd? Yeah, you I mean, I was, I was about six at the time, so mm. yeah, mm. 
Um, and obviously I had my lots of stuff going on. Um, yeah. yeah. When you're in a hospital, institutionalized, uh, I love that word. Um, mm. Mm. And I don't know, it just sounds badass. <laughs> sounds like I'm a hardened criminal or something. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, your you people come and go a lot, mm. so you you only remember a few, if mm. any. Mm. And yeah, apparently this person who at the time I knew as Chris, mm-hmm. and I was in Bristol two maybe two three years ago. And I kept seeing this person, and eventually this person went, I believe I know you. Mm. And they spoke to their mom, because they're not from Bristol. They're from okay. somewhere else. I got a mind blank for the minute. Um, yeah, from, yeah. I just know they're from someone else, somewhere else. And uh, their mom explained who I was, mm. or who they think I was. And it turned out they were right. And we've reconnected. And we, we've been hanging out quite a bit and we've got so much in common. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're spiritual. So they, they, they feel there's something spiritual mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And like, even last night when I was with them, something was said and he, and he just went, whoop, I did that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So you just, found you found a kindred spirit, and a, yeah, a, yeah, a kindred right. spirit that, that somebody's experienced that had the same sort of experiences as you, perhaps. Yeah, like yeah, even the, even the condition they had or have was around that time similar to what mm. the 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 base of it is the same mm. area of the body, and yeah, now we find out we've got like fix unintentional things in common mm. Mm. and in, which is music the same music scene the same friends mm. similar experiences condition wise uh, both life model mm. art as a, as, a, as a broader yeah. as a broader thing yeah and yeah and now last night starts <laughs> well, I'm in there with you. I love darts. I don't on the hockey. Yeah, um, I never. I was on, I was on a couple of teams in the past with my parents. Mm. Uh, I liked it. I just I just get bored. I I mm. Mm. not not bored of the game as such, but bored of everything around it. Yeah, yeah. People, people. Yeah, and but, and yeah. Do you, do you think that that then that this person, so are you going to, with your friend Chris, are you going to, now do you feel that it's time to move forward in in terms of, are you do you want to create something that reflects both of your life experience? Yeah. Now, I knew them as Chris, and mm. recently I know they like to be known as him, but for spiritual, artistic yeah. Yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, I mentioned to him that I'd like to go on stage and I miss the stage. 
Mm. I don't necessarily miss the stand-up. I miss the stage. Mm. So influenced by people who we've mentioned, who mm. do motivational and storytelling and stuff. Um, yeah, I said to him, would you want to join or... Team up, yeah. Team up and... And it looks like we're going to. Brilliant. Um, I was on stage last night. I say stage. I did an open mic last night. Yeah. Just like a storytelling open mic. Yeah. And I just went up and did what I'm doing now. Just yeah. told one of my little stories. And it went down well. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just do it as though I'm yeah. talking to friends. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the real secret of it, really. It's just to because we're having this, you know, exchange, energetic exchange with the audience the whole time. And it's and it's really about it's it is a conversation, except they're not speaking, you know, so we have to, kind, you know, always no, yeah, remember that there is that. But they are responding. They respond and you feel yeah. that response. Yeah. 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 And even just the. Well, last night I was looking at some of the front and all that, and you could just see the the, sm- the smiles, the yeah, the 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 attentiveness, yeah. the paying attention, yeah, which yeah. is what I got when I did stand up comedy. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily laughter. Yeah, but it's not that they weren't interested. Yeah. But it's engaging, isn't it? And it's it's engaging with other people and it's telling your story, being there, standing up and telling your story. And the stories that you that you that you have been telling in these and the stories that you want to tell, what are those about and why do you want to tell those stories in terms of is it again a, a shift of perception? Is it to share your life? What is it behind that? I think it's a mix of loads of things. Mm. It's his therapy for me. Yeah. Um, and I also, it helps me remember stuff. Yeah, yeah. It helps me, like, I might go out one day and say something that I just remembered because yeah. of something else I said or whatever. And I did that on another podcast, just had no notes, just spoke. Mm. Mm. And oh, this like a light bulb goes off, and you say this, and yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm also not I'm not one to hold back. Yeah, I try not to hold back, and if I haven't said it, I either can't remember it, or it's just not come up a conversation yet. Yeah, yeah, kind of attitude. Um, so yeah, so it's therapy, and even if I can get, even if. Even if it helps somebody yeah. in that audience, yeah. whether I know it or not, great. Yeah. It's, I need. I, I want I need to do more of it. Yeah. And I'm just going to sign up to open mics and just. Yeah. Yeah. I've even got friends, the 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 the, the writer friends that I've met through just going through a to a bookshop, mm. like Waterstones in Bristol, which is what I did last night. And one day, this chap in the cafe, who I knew just from going to the cafe and having a coffee, was just like, 
I've got a proposition for you. I write stories. Would you read it for me? And I'll record it. And I'm like, the chances are I'll say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I'll yeah. send it to you and you can read it. Let me know. And I was like, yeah. 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 I, I, and I did. And to even just that, reading other people's stuff, because as much as I want to tell my story mm. and maybe help others, mm. make them sad, make them happy, make them cry, make them angry, whatever. Mm. Um, I want to be, I also don't want to be myself. Yeah, of course. I mean, this is the thing. You don't, I don't think none of us would say that we want to be defined by who we are. It's yeah. like we're we're many things, you know. Like like we were saying earlier, you are you're not your condition. You're Daryl. Yeah, I you're, would. You're Daryl who who laughs, who cries, who shits, who you know, who eats, who who does who does everything that everybody else does, and. Yeah. And I think that it's it's really interesting. I think again, this thing with labels, how we label certain things, we we kind of you know. And and talking to you, I'm very aware of it, and I'm like thinking, yeah, you know, it's 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 been it's been good to hear about your condition, but also that isn't yeah what makes I... you you. You know, it's 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 your journey. It's your it's. Again, it's what you you're doing in your life. Okay, you had a, you had setbacks, which, as I said, I found like I, I you know I found really hard to imagine it because it's not my journey, you know. But still, at the same time, I can understand. But I really see you. Like I sit here and I look at you and I just go, "Wow, you're so amazing to draw." <laughs> you know, you really are. But also, um, I feed um, off that. Yeah, like, yeah, you are. But also. In terms of that, isn't just about your looks. That's about your energy. A lot of people say that. You know, yeah. that's about that's about you and your energy. And I think that really, as I said before, this thing about an energetic exchange when we are presenting ourselves, there are some people who have really amazing energy, and other people, you know, and it attracts people to you. So. Yeah, sorry, you were you were saying. Yeah, I I I, I get that. I, I I feed off that. Like, I might be sitting there for a portrait, but I'm interacting yeah. with you, yeah. which not everyone does. Not everyone does, and they don't have to. But I think that for me is part of it. Yeah, yeah, completely. Like you're doing completely. my portrait, but I'm not holding the same face constantly. Mm. I'm trying to, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If you're seeing that for like three days, it's, it's going to be difficult. Like, I'm, yeah, people like. I think people like that I'm natural with it. I'm yeah. I'm talking to you, and I'm. Mm. Well, it's the sensibility of you, and I think when we're when we're, you know, painting and drawing people, it's it's not it's not just a likeness. It's it's capturing the essence also of that person, and if you are communicating with the person who's drawing with you, uh, who's drawing you rather, 
to to for that person who's the artist it's really great to be able to capture the essence of that person because that is what makes the the image sort of really live in my opinion yeah yeah i get that yeah I, yeah totally yeah it's yeah it's weird I, yeah yeah um so Daryl, so so you've kind of said what is next. It's your it's your um, teaming up um, with your compadre, and you are gonna create more work that will be either your work or or other people's work, and that will be on stage. Um, have you got anything in the pipeline, or is it all just all just in development? It's I mean, have you got anything to show? No, no, yeah. it's, it's in development at the minute. Um, yeah, we're still working out what exactly we need to get inspired. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we said about going back and watching a load of, I don't know, Parkinson or... Yeah. You know, like talk shows. <laughs> talk get, shows, get, yeah. And for ideas. inspiration, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing how I want to make it. But that'll be music because my Kim does guitar and other stuff and sings. So they'll do that. And mm-hmm. I hope to be able to write something or yeah. things. Um, well, you can always record because that's the thing. It's a stream of consciousness. You can always record things to then yeah. be later transcribed, which is always yeah. something that is I, really helpful. I just want to, I want to use my voice. Yeah. Because I shouldn't have a voice. Yeah. Like physically shouldn't have a voice. Yeah. yeah. So I want to make the most of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you. I've got to say thank you for sharing your voice uh, today. It's been really amazing to talk to you. Um, thank you for coming to talk to to me and also sharing your story and sharing your insights and and talking about your life as well which yeah. I again which I think is really uh important in terms of people's understanding again as I was saying we're whatever happens to us we're still you know we're the, we're the kind of spirit of who we are as opposed to anything that is physical yeah, totally. um, and if people want to, if people want to contact you, because what I'll do is I'll put all your, I'll put all your, um, uh, you know, social media contacts, etc., into the show notes. But if people want to contact you, where can they contact you? Um, Instagram. Yeah, and what's that? Uh, uh I mean, in terms, of what's your Instagram? Uh, at Daryl J Hembra. Yeah, perfect. Um, Facebook, yeah, Messenger, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't ask me what that handle is because I don't, <laughs> don't um, worry, I'll put, I'll put it in there. Well, my emails are there and all that. I haven't got a website yet, but slowly but surely. Hmm. Uh, but you can find my contacts on my socials. Yeah. Or just ask me. Uh, yeah. You can email. You can email me at model at darrellhembra dot com. Fantastic. 
yeah, I've yeah, I'm very talkative. Yeah, no, you are I, very talkative. And I mean, the the stuff that we've gone through is very minimal. It's the yeah. least of it. Yeah, it's the least yeah. of it, basically. Yeah, uh, I could probably do this for hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to get you back to have another conversation. Yeah. So um yeah, thank you, Daryl. Thank you so much. And um, thank you everybody for listening. And um please like and share and follow and subscribe and let me know what you think of the episode. And um I will speak to I look forward to speaking to you again on another episode of the Perception Podcast. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.